to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome back to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and I have with me as always Logan Stump. How's it going, everybody? Good. Logan took the day off from stoppage time <laughs> yeah. yesterday. Yeah, Slacker. personal time. I know, personal time. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I paid you for that time too right no, correct kidding. i think it was like paid. five cents this is a uh, <laughs> yeah i gotta divide the 60 cents <laughs> <I had> <laughs> revenue <laughs> um we are going to be continuing our season uh preview that's the word i was looking for and we are with uh what team are we minnesota united is who we're talking about today Sorry, we have three of these lined up this week so far, so I'm just all scatterbrained. It's wild. Uh, which one's which? Minnesota United is today, which is uh, great because there was some news that broke today that we'll be able to ask uh, uh, our guest about. Uh, so, Logan, who do we have joining us in just a few minutes? Yeah, so we have Mark Bangmeyer, and he is over at 55.1 Podcasts, who covers Minnesota United, I think he does it with four other guys, or three other guys, sorry, four, uh, including himself. But yeah, he covers the um, the loons. And so we got, we actually have a guest question or a question for him from Twitter. So that's nice. And yeah, I think it's coming along pretty well. And, and I'm excited to talk some Minnesota United because I think uh, I'm glad that uh, the ownership decided to go along with my approval of announcing the signing uh, for today so that we had something to talk about on the show. And they announced the kit for you over the weekend. Yeah, so I, yeah. it worked I, out yeah. perfectly. We've got a lot of pull in Minnesota. Yes, it definitely seems that way. Um, but yeah, so we'll just go ahead and uh, I think we will talk to uh, our guest next. And then we'll probably talk some of the uh, other news that has happened uh, on the other side of the interview. So let's go ahead and welcome in Mark Bangmeyer. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited uh how are, how are you doing today i'm doing great it's uh above freezing in minnesota so what more can you really want yeah it's been uh you, you guys were in some brutal weather there for a while right like negative temperature and stuff yeah last week i mean it was like 20 below temperature not and like 40 Dang. below wind chill that's crazy i'm yeah. in maryland so it's not as bad there but <laughs> uh it, it's been a pretty brutal february you know like winter was 
we didn't get any snow i don't think until like february then it was like all snow you know <laughs> like it was, they're just giving us all at once <laughs> Um, so it, yeah, if you could just briefly, uh, go over, uh, when you started covering the team and when you became a fan and, uh, where people can find all your work. Yeah. I, um, uh, basically been a fan, uh, kind of my whole life growing up, started going to thunder games when I was, you know, playing in like U 12 soccer. Um, and then eventually when they became the stars, going to the NASL, followed them there and, um, been following them ever since as a supporter and, um yeah basically as outside of that um on twitter i somehow became like the transfer watch guy on twitter for the team where uh, i would just start tweeting out um all of the random uh you know south american they might be journalists might not be journalist accounts that are posting rumors that uh minnesota united's interested in signing so and so and um yeah it's kind of eventually got asked on to be on um, a local radio show called um, there's a local show called the Minnesota football show was a guest on that for a couple of times. Um, and then um, was asked to be a guest on the 51 podcast, which has been covering uh, Minnesota uh, professional soccer, primarily the stars and Minnesota United since like 2016. And um, it clicked and I've been a full-time kind of co-host with them for going on like a year now. And um, yeah, and I'm on Twitter, which is um, everybody's on Twitter, but I'm on Twitter. Um, MR Fangmeyer, if you want to, you know, see my rants and, follow my rumors of transfers. Uh, I do have a quick question just about, cause you mentioned the stars and the thunder and such. Um, cause I used to follow, not like follow them, follow them, but you know, like when open cup would be playing and checking to see rooting for the, you know, underdogs and such. Uh, just a quick question. Do they, are they the same ownership or is this just a team that replaced them later on? No. So um, yeah. So the thunder actually folded, I believe it was in, 2009 um their owner was really really involved in um real estate mm -hmm. and therefore you know 2008 wasn't a good year for real yeah, estate yeah. and uh they eventually folded and so what happened was they were playing um out at the national sports center in blaine um which is just you know about uh you know 15 miles north of the twin cities and uh so the front office staff who was very, I think three or four of them got together with the national sports center where they're playing and started the NSC stars. And then eventually I believe it was when the um, NASL formed, they were one of the founding teams there. And um, yeah, and then eventually um, they, and then it kind of like, we had a, we were, we called ourselves the team that nobody wanted because for a while after like we, I mean, we snuck into the playoffs in 2011 in NASL and um, ended up winning the cup. And then um, following, then we were league owned for the 2011, 2012. And then following the 2012 season, like basically uh, the FIFA rules of it needing at least like eight teams to have an official sanctioned league. Yeah. They, once the Cosmos got added, we weren't actually needed anymore. So there was a lot of talk about whether, about trying to see if, you know, they were going to just let us fold, go away. And Dr. Bill McGuire um, stepped in and bought them and rebranded them as Minnesota United. And then a few short years later, joined MLS and kind of the rest is history. I did just buy a Minnesota kit, actually. At I collect kits of all the teams, but uh, I found it at Ross for like $12. Nice. <laughs> I was like, I need one of these. Um, Which one is it? it it's, uh, I think it's from, uh, it's actually authentic too, but it's, um, I'll have to check the year on it, but I, it was, it's just their white kit. It's not like a, okay. I was actually really looking for, I like the gray with the blue sash. I really like that one. 
Yeah, no, it's um, yeah, and I, I mean, we just put up they just put out the new kid on Friday yes. as well. Yeah. So, yeah, which I am uh, for those who don't follow Messi Night, it's a it's an all blue kit. Um, it's uh, kind of like a teal babyish blue, um, mm-hmm. with a black trim around the neck and the cuffs, and um, I'm referring to it as the Hams kit. I don't know if you're familiar with Hams beer. No, no, I'm not. Uh, they're they're um, brewed. They're founded in St. Paul in 1865 and brewed there. And like the longest time their uh, ad campaign was from the land of sky blue waters. Mm. And uh, the kit okay. that we got put out is a river kit. And so uh, and it has like you know, kind of a uh, water kind of motif, like right. motif and details in it. And so I am lovingly referring to it as the Hams kit because <laughs> um, uh, you know it's a classic St. Paul brewery that is now owned by Miller, but distributed by Miller, but still has some St. Paul roots. So yeah. And I'm, I'm a big fan of the kit. I think it looks really slick. So yeah. Yeah. yeah and, the nice too, and the nice thing too about it is that um, we're finally back to a bit of an ident back to our like historic identity as mm-hmm. Minnesota United. Cause if you go back to the NASL days, we had uh, for our primary kit, it was always the gray wing kit, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. They added last year as their primary kit. And now getting away from like the white kind of yeah. kit back to like the blue um, is exactly like blue, baby blue ish and um, black trim is exactly what we had in NASL for our secondary kit. So like, it's nice to kind of get back to our kind of identity for what we were coming through the NASL before we went to MLS. Yeah. That's what we were going to ask about is just the, the kit here. Um, so you th- just as a quick uh, question here, do you, so you think this is maybe like one of their best uh, away kits in MLS history? It's definitely their best away kit. I mean, I mean, especially like the first year, both of our kits were just so off the shelf because the, the yeah. just limited lead time. I mean, what a good kit takes like three years of planning, I think something like that. So, um, but yeah, I think, uh, and I'm kind of in the hater of like the whole like white t-shirt MLS kind of thing. Yeah. And then like how, like just the lack of like, you know, uniqueness. And one thing well, that today really... was the day for you then. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no. And the nice thing about this too, is that um, if you look, I actually kind of like it better because if you look at our old NASL kits, they were just like um, Tar Heel blue because mm-hmm. that's what it was available for, you know, yeah. minor league team. Right. And it, it didn't actually completely match our, um, our crest because it's almost a little bit more of like a teal blue and yeah. this kit matches it much better like it's almost an identical look to the crest which i really really appreciate it i think i like it um of course on twitter everyone's complaining about everything but i i'm I think it looks pretty good <laughs> yeah yeah i i agree i i really like it i know there's been some people complaining about just plain colored ones as well that don't have any sort of cool designs in them but uh I think it's an upgrade over, I didn't like really any of the 25th MLS anniversary kits <laughs> at all. You know, no, like I, 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 I was torn because I, I mean, I really love that they brought the wing kit back just for how nostalgic everybody in Minnesota yeah. was for that. Cause I mean, everyone would agree that that was one of the best kits in pro soccer back when we had in the NASL days. So it's happy they brought it back, but then like the accent, cause like, I appreciate that there's some blue accents on it, but mm-hmm having three giant stripes covering your shoulder and then like a bad V-neck is right. Yeah. It's whatever. But that's how it was with like the union. Cause I'm a union fan here. So I got like the, you got the snake that they put almost like where the wing is on the Minnesota one, but it was like barely visible at times. It was, it's just yeah. not, uh, not the best. Although you really struck gold this year. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. that kid's beautiful. Um, so I guess uh, moving on just another general question here before we get more specific, but Adrian Heath has been with Minnesota, uh, United here, uh, since they entered the league. Um, and it's also, you know, usually success in this league is measured by success in the playoffs and winning MLS cup, uh, and the team's progression over the years since joining MLS, you know, they've seemingly been getting better each uh, year. Uh, do you feel that the team is progressing as they should under Adrian Heath, or is it possible that his years as their manager is uh, dwindling? Um, I don't think there's a chance of Adrian Heath uh, leaving the squad and not being the squad's head coach. Um, they have, I mean, going from the first two years when we gave up, you know, record amounts of goals and mm-hmm. we also had a terrible roster. Like we were, everything was rushed. We were just bad. Mm-hmm. And um, Adrian Heath, one thing that has, really surprised me because i was kind of on the especially that that time on the heath out train where i was like well his only success he's ever had was at the usl level prior to with orlando yeah yeah Yeah. and so uh i was like maybe he's just not meant to be an mls coach and um i uh, that still may be the case but um one thing that has really surprised me is that like um going into i believe it was the 2019 season which is when we opened allianz field is there is a restructuring of the technical staff. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, there's a new um, technical director brought in, Mark Watson, who was Adrian Heath's assistant coach. And also, Adrian Heath was given kind of supervisor. He was given control of the technical side. So he was given final say on all of the signings and all of that. And as far as the technical side, side, side of things go, he has just knocked that out of the park. Like That is where I am been most impressed with Adrian Heath. Like if you go back, I mean, I guess if you count this window, the last five transfer windows, and this one's still incomplete, but the four prior to this just knocked it out of the park that there was not a bad signing among them. And um, yeah, I mean, so off the field on the, that side, he's great. Uh, some of his technical stuff, just, I mean, just looking, I mean, just look back at the um, Seattle match and the Western conference finals. Mm, how yeah. Minnesota was coming, you know, two days less rest. And yet he still waited until like the 70 something minute after like you could see for like how long that like, we were just running on tired legs and we needed a something and just never. And that's another thing. And so like, we all, the, the things you can say about Adrian, he's coaching is that um, we always need two or three more guys uh, like on our lineup. That's his whole thing. He's like, Oh yeah. You know, we're looking at some <laughs> players, you know, two or three more guys. We're gonna be great. Uh, is his saying for every year, but also that, he never uses all of his subs and we don't know why. Um, but it just, like, as you can see how we fell apart at the end, uh, just cause we were gassed, uh, in the um, Western conference finals. Um, is that kind of thing where like technically on the technical side where he doesn't, we don't, a lot of people don't have the most confidence in him. So I think ideally for me, if we could like keep him as running our, you know, uh, the, um, Transfers, technical transfers, all that, and then have some else, you know, coach come in or even have an assistant who's like more on like the, you know, tactics kind of side of things to help him. I think it would do a lot to really improve us. But as far as Adrian, he's going over, I don't see that happening just because, I mean, we have been on a trajectory of improvement every year. So I don't, and so long as that continues, I think he'll stick around. Well, I will say though, I, that is like, uh, I I thought like the best playoff game probably I've ever seen (laughs) in MLS. (laughs) 
Unfortunately, at your expense. It was it was great <laughs> except for the last ten minutes. <laughs> if we could just stop time, you know, and just just end the game, you know, by the 80th minute, I would have been pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, actually, I thought I just thought of another question here. So let me just slot this in. I guess um, is uh, do 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 the Minnesota fans and other members of the media over there buy into this whole like the media is out to get Minnesota thing that Adrian Heath always seems to be peddling. <laughs> no, no, no. <not> okay. <laughs> it's, it's a, a big running joke. Like, um, especially because I, there was some interview that Adrian Heath did where he talks about like where he gets his information. And he's, he's like, I read MLS.com. So like MLS.com is like, anytime anyone talks about it, it's like, Oh, MLS.com has no respect for us. And so yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's just a big running joke. It's, it gets kind of annoying. Like, in our in Minnesota's like first playoff push, like uh, in our first year on the field, which was 2019, they had this like, I mean, the whole playoff thing was like they had said it was say shh, say shush, and like trying to shush the off, like quiet the the critics, and it's like everyone likes you, like we're actually yeah. a pretty likable team, like we're we're Midwesterners, <laughs> we're new, we're yeah. kind of underdogs, like no one hates us, and like I mean, yeah, I I, I don't get it. And at some point you have to like, I mean, we made it to the Western conference finals. We made it to the <laughs> semifinals of the MLS's back tournament. Like right. in 2019, we made it to the U S open cup finals. Like at some point you got to stop playing the, um, you know, the underdog and start playing the confident, like mm-hmm. winner card. And I'm hopefully that'll be what we do this year. And we can kind of leave that behind us. Yeah. I know in Orlando city, cause I'm Orlando city fan and, and just, watching the leash get shorter when he got up to MLS. And, and that's the same thing. It, it was that, that he didn't like that. It was something with criticism from, and this city is not one. It's like, oh, we don't care. <laughs> it's no, like, I don't I, get the, I don't get the angst towards the, I don't know if he thinks he hears things and maybe somebody's in his ear talking. I have no idea what it is. See my, my uh, conspiracy theory is that um, his son, Harrison Heath is actually his mm. burner account on Twitter. Right. <laughs> and because uh, I mean, actually, I mean, Harrison, like he actually goes on Twitter and he goes after reporters who are critical. I've seen that. Of him. Like yep. he went after Jeff Reuter for no reason. <laughs> like, yeah, it's 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 bizarre. I, I don't get it. And unfortunately, some people in like the front office, like in the like the PR staff are following suit with it. And like, yeah, I, it's just a narrative I don't understand. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, I even, I'm playing a career mode with Minnesota <laughs> right now in FIFA. Right. So I, I love the, I love the, I love the crest. I love the kits, uh, you know, so uh, I can't wait to go to a game there sometime. I'm planning to, you know, make a trip around uh, all of the stadiums. So. Yeah, I know. It is awesome. Like as far as atmospheres go, it's especially, I mean, don't come when we play Philadelphia because you, you're going to want us to win because there's nothing better than like standing up with 20,000 people and, singing wonder wall so yeah don't come don't come when your team plays just because you're going to want them to lose <laughs> i was going to say i'm used to singing that with man city so that's a, <laughs> that'll be interesting so i'll get right into it and the blue it kind of just brings me back so um i think i'll, I'll leave that kind of leads into my next question kevin uh, molino uh down here in orlando city he basically tracked him down and brought him back in uh left <laughs> somewhat abruptly and i that I listened to your guys' podcast. I think it was one where you guys were talking about it had just happened, I think. And you guys were just like, it was so abrupt and so out of the blue kind of thing. Um, I wanted to know how big of a loss is he? I mean, locker room, off the field, on the pitch. Uh, and, you know, is 
it, it, was it a relationship thing with Heath? I mean, did they have some kind of falling out? Cause it did seem kind of weird. Um, not that I know of. I mean, honestly, there is, there was nobody on the roster who could do no wrong in Adrian Heath's eyes more than Kevin mm-hmm. Molino. Like it, if, if he was healthy, you knew for sure he was, he was the one player you knew for sure was starting under Adrian Heath. Right. And so, um, I don't think that's it in that. I think the main thing is, I mean, it's, it, with all of the, you know, MLS roster rules and salary rules, mm-hmm. um, we were at a point where we were paying him the most that we could pay him without making him a DP. Right. And we offered him, I believe, um, a two-year contract with an option for a third year. Mm-hmm. And Columbus offered him a three-year contract, guaranteed. And so if it's two-year guaranteed, I mean, he's 30 years old. Right. He made the right decision for himself. And I actually think it, it's, I think it's actually good for both. It's good for us and it's good for Kevin Molino in mm-hmm. that he's going to, he wants to win a title and he's not getting any younger and he's going into a, you know, the reigning champion. So he's going into a very good situation for himself. But at the same time, I'm just, I'm actually kind of glad that Minnesota didn't match Columbus's offer just because, I mean, he's turning 31 this year. He has, um, he's rather injury prone when he's, yeah, he's missed health- a lot of time. Yeah. When he's healthy and he is, and especially um, when he's healthy and he's not the key playmaker and he can kind of just be the secondary guy who's like, you know, making all the runs and all of that. He's, he's fantastic. But again, he he'll be 34 when his contract expires with Columbus. And right. that's, I, I mean, as far as it, and Minnesota is already a team where like a lot of, we are, I mean, we have Ozzy Alonzo, we had, I, we, we already had a pretty like an older team. So I think it's a good opportunity for us to get younger so long as we are able to replace him, um, which is, you know, remains to be seen still and um, incomplete on that part. But um, I think overall it was win-win for everybody. I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunate just because of the, how good he was with Reynosa. Mm-hmm. And um, you're going to have to like, you know, bring someone new in who's going to have, you know, adjustment periods with that. But Aside from that, I think in the long term, it was good for everybody. I was going to say, because that, I mean, it, reading through some of the stats, they had one of the most dynamic um, link ups. I think going forward, I think they were best in passing and, and moving the ball forward and player, you know, getting goal opportunities from those two linking up. And it, you know, I, I just wondered if that was something that was easily replaceable and how much of a leadership role he really had. I mean, if that's something that's going to be missing too. Yeah. I mean, and it probably will be, but. At the same time, we still have, I mean, as far as leadership goes, we still, I mean, sadly, yeah, no. we're still a pretty old team. <laughs> right. So, right. so we still have a lot of veteran leadership on yeah. our team. So I'm not too concerned about that. But yeah, mm-hmm. and I, again, I mean, maybe it'll give, you know, Thomas Chacon a chance to finally right. play for us. Right. We'll see. I doubt it, but we'll see. Right. All right, so I think that then that leads right into the, our, you know, the next couple of things with, with uh, the attack side of the ball. Um, Number one concern, it seems, might be goals, uh, and it was helped out today because I know we'll talk about that a little later. Um, but it, again, that striker position was one that whenever I look at the depth charts, it's funny because Doyle and them do depth charts, and they've got Bear that does depth charts. At the very top of their depth charts, it's like a blank space. It's like who are they putting there? Um, I was wondering what your thoughts were. Where do you guys grab the goals, and do you need that top, you know, striker in that position? Um. 
yeah see that's one thing like as far as all of the like the good signs like the solid signs that Minnesota has we've had the toughest time at finding a striker um not necessarily always our fault like I mean mm-hmm. uh Luis Amaria last year um started off great he had two goals in his first two matches uh got injured and eventually had to have surgery and was out for the rest of the season um and then he um his loan period ended at the end of the season and he's not coming back um but yeah that that top striker stuff I mean just a little perspective like um last year Amaria was our top striker for scoring and mm-hmm. he had two goals right in last play um as a point of reference Ike Opara yeah. only yeah. played the first right. two matches of the season as our center back and he had two goals right <laughs> and overall like all of Minnesota's strikers on our roster last year combined Amaria Kai Kamara, Aaron Schoenfield, Mason Toy, and Foster Langsdorf combined for four goals total. So, but we were still able to find goals. Like, I mean, I don't know if that is just maybe, I don't know if it's Adrian Heath's system that uh, the, you know, the goals are going to come from, come from the wings. Um, But, or if it was actually just us adapting to not having a striker and just making do and actually doing a pretty good job at it. But yeah, we definitely, definitely need a, a striker and um i mean prior to this morning the only striker that we had on roster played for 10 minutes with us last year right so i mean we really had nobody except for like i mean robin lude who is like best out on the right wing was like our false nine and he was like <laughs> one of our best strikers who isn't a striker i mean yeah it was yeah i don't know it's hopefully the announcement today of uh Juan Agudela will kind of change things, but yeah, we'll see. And you mentioned uh, Lude, and then you mentioned Finley, um, or Ethan Finley plays on that other side, the winger. Um, and then they they brought in Agudela, who could play in that spot, or he could jump up top. Um, but the one that really catches me is that Thomas Chacon is he somebody? I, I know you guys talk about him all the time, but um, you think this is his opportunity? You think he finally steps into that? contract that he signs and is able to play well for him um what i want and what i think will happen are two totally different things (laughs) i I would love for him to step in and just be like our go-to like i mean i mean he's a dp yeah Uh, i would love for him to just step up and be our starting you know starting on the left um when he in the few flashes that he's played like he has a confidence where he can like cut in. He does great. Mm-hmm. Um, his hair is amazing. <laughs> you got to have that on the field too. Yeah. He's got the, just the most beautiful lettuce you've ever seen. Um, and, uh, but I mean, I just don't see it. Like there's something there and it's Adrian. Heath has always had his like favorites mm-hmm. and just people that have dropped off. Like um, last year it was Edwards who like looked good. And then for some reason just didn't play. And I don't know, we don't know what, why, I mean, maybe it was something off the field. Um, I know the, like his, his play kind of dropped off or getting playing time when um, he replied, he just said, smack my head on like something about like a loss for Minnesota when he didn't get on the field. And after that, he didn't see the field once. And so I, again, that's what gets back to my like Harrison Heath conspiracy theories about um, him being the guy that's feeding all the Twitter stuff to Hadrian. But um, uh, yeah, no, we'll see. Like I would, 
he's young. He's, I think he's, how old is he now? Like 1920? I forget. But um, he was born in tw- 2000, apparently. So, yeah. yeah. He's, oh, man. He's not so even he's 21 yet. 20. <laughs> right. And um, he, if he doesn't play for Minnesota, they desperately, desperately need to get him on loan somewhere. Like, I know in interviews in the fall or like right soon after the season ended, Adrian Heath had said that like getting him um, alone somewhere in Europe was like their top priority. And they want to make sure that, you know, come January he's out somewhere and it's March and he's not. So um, I don't know. It's, I don't know what they're doing with that. And I would, I, at some point, I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's the coach, but either way, I feel bad for the guy that it's just not working out. And I would love to see it work out. Uh, moving on to Reynoso, uh, he came in like in September, uh, right? Uh, isn't that when he started? Um, yeah, or August. I, yeah, it was, September, it was pretty sometime. late. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like sometime at, like, soon after the like uh, MLS is back, is back yes. again, happened, started, and they went to like regular, <laughs> you know. Uh, he played, uh, so 13 matches in two, 2020 before the uh, playoffs. Scored a goal, seven assists, and then in the playoffs, scored a goal and had seven assists and was involved in all eight of their goals. Uh, how big do you think he is going forward uh, for this team? Uh, he's only 25, so he's somebody that you can really build around. And uh, you have the issue of not having that Molino link up anymore, but if somebody else can fill in there, uh, you know, it looks like to me that he could be uh, one of the best MLS players in the league this year. Yeah, I totally agree. Like that's, I mean, Minnesota just knocked out of the park with that signing and it was well worth the wait. I mean, they started trying to, they started trying to sign him back in like January of 2020 and they finally got him, you know, the end of the summer. Um, But yeah, just, I don't know where his ceiling is, but I sure haven't seen it. And he is just like, I mean, if his stats would have gone across the entire season, he would have been an MVP candidate. Hands down. It was scary. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and, and also the nice thing too is like he makes our team better too. Like in the um, all the matches that he started last year, we've only we only lost two matches that he started in. We lost to Columbus in the regular season, and we lost to Seattle in the playoffs in the Western Conference Finals. Right. That's it. Every other match that he started, we uh we either won or draw. And like, those are two good. Those are two good teams. Columbus won it all, and Seattle. Uh, yeah, you know the you know made it to the final. The the, the winners and the runners up. Are yeah, exactly. Not too shabby as far as you're going to lose to somebody, but yeah, and like, I mean, it's crazy. Like if you and if you just combine his stats, like for um combine you know regular season and postseason, um his assist per ninety was 0.86. Like that's ridiculous, and um. Yeah, I I don't know. He just makes our team so good, and like, he his his passing is just a thing of beauty. Like the way he's just able to find just the tiniest bit of space and just connect directly. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I just and that's why I really hope. I mean, we can find that like DP kind of striker to like counteract to the be yeah. like you know a counterweight to that because if you have someone who's able to like finish because like that was one of the things is that like especially prior to um, last season, Minnesota had the hardest time finishing like our opportunities. And if we could find somebody who is like the like machine for goal scoring, you know, just finishing, taking the opportunities that come to you, he will make those opportunities and make them in bounds. And so like, once you kind of get those two linking up, I think it could be amazing, but he just needs, he needs the support though. Right. 
And then also we alluded to the signing of Juan Agadello. Um, he uh, is, as we mentioned, one of the two forwards on Minnesota's rosters with Foster Langsdorf. Hmm. <laughs> Agadello has never scored a double digit goals in a season though. Um, but also you just mentioned that all their strikers only had like four goals anyway, right. but uh, does he make this team better? Or are you still thinking of, uh, like you said, another DP level striker or somebody? Uh, he does in that uh, Minnesota has never had a solid second striker that was able to come in and kind of make a difference. Right. Um, and ideally that would be the role that I would see for him. And in that and also, it's just amazing. The guy is 28, and he's been playing in MLS for 11 years. Like, yeah, you're 28, yeah. and you used to play for Chivas USA, and that wasn't even your first team in MLS? You've <laughs> right. been around a long time. And, um, yeah, but, I mean, like I said, like the second striker position, we've – I mean, last year our second striker was either Aaron Schoenfeld or Mason Toy, depending on, you know, what part of the season it was. And – it's just not there. And so like to have that guy who is a bit higher up, I mean, the only thing that uh, is a little bit disappointing is that um, back in, I don't know, maybe December, um, Adrian Heath did an interview with Jeff Reuter where he mentioned that like, yeah, you know, the, um, the ideal striker and maybe in our system now would be Christian Ramirez, which as a Minnesota fan, like going back to the NASL days and everything, all of us love Christian Ramirez. Right. So we're like, Oh, how great would it be? He was like our second striker. Like, could come in he's like you know just he can just take a chance when he gets them and it'd be great i mean this was actually a more shrewd of a um deal picking up um juan agudela you know as a free transfer versus having to pay like money for christian ramirez who's still in their contract so this was a much smarter play but um that's the only disappointment i have in this is that it wasn't christian ramirez so well i do have a question because you brought him up mason toy uh i was i was a mason toy fan here uh did you think he got a fair shake in Minnesota? Cause I felt like at times he wasn't playing when he uh, could have been, I'm not sure if there was also like personal levels there, uh, you know, issues as well, but. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough situation just because he's also really young. Like he joined the team when he was like 19 and like, right. he still is like, what he's like 21, 22 now. Um, and unfortunately, like he was actually given a fair amount of opportunities, especially, uh, when last year when um Amaria went down injured he was he was given some opportunities to play and he just I mean he didn't have any goals he didn't score mm -hmm. I mean it's unfortunate and like and kudos to Minnesota for you know taking not taking advantage of but like getting Montreal to overpay for him because yeah I think they end up getting like eight hundred thousand dollars in you know gam or tam or whatever it was and um that's great I mean I think Montreal overpaid for him, but I felt really happy for the guy, especially with because like um, uh, Henri is his idol, so he's got to go play for his idol, which only lasted for like a few months. Which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it didn't last long. <laughs> it didn't uh, last long at all. But um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I he was he was hit or miss. Like he, when he was on, he was really on. Like I mean, everybody remember like when we upset LAFC at LAFC, and he had um just some bangers, and right. so um, but. The separate, he just didn't have the consistency and definitely didn't have the consistency to be um, our, a starter. And when he did come off the bench, he just, some of his runs just weren't quite there. They, I don't know if he needed to just get a little bit more experience, a little more playing time, whatever, but it just wasn't there. And um, yeah, 
it's too bad. And like, and it's also bad, like his dad is actually one of our, our the Fish Five Home podcast, one of our um, Patreon um, guys who actually. Really? Said, yeah. So it was just too bad when he left because I think we might have lost one of our, um, <laughs> one of our, you know, devoted Patreons. So. <laughs> Hysterical. Just bring him back in for that. I know. Um, yeah, no, so I think it, it, another key ingredient and one that's been legendary in the defensive midfield is Ozzy Alonso. 35, new contract, captain, seemed to be a priority for the front office. How important is he? Yeah, he's, I mean, whenever he's in the lineup, we're better. The tricky part was that, as he is getting older, I mean, I think he played in 10 games last year, which for the contract he was on with us, which I think was like a $700,000 contract, that's a lot to pay, like a top-tier template. Right. is a lot to pay for, you know, 10 matches. And I think signing, bringing Will Trap to kind of compliment him was a very smart move in that, again, it's just giving us that depth where um, Ozzy can step in and play, you know, when he needs to, or he can come in. Like if we're going to trying to kill off a match that we have, you know, a one or two goal lead in, he is a great guy to come in and just, you know, be that extra like guy in the midfield. That's just shutting everybody, shutting attackers down. And um, yeah. So I'm really glad they brought him back. He's just, yeah. And he's also doing, I don't exactly know what role he is, but he's also as doing an ambassador role for. Yeah. I saw he was uh, offered something else. as well. Yeah. Which, I mean, I always thought like it would be great to bring him in as like some sort of like transition into like a coaching kind of role right. for the spot as well. Just for like, I mean, as far as defensive midfielders go, there's, I mean, him and Chara are the, it, are it is for right. MLS. So right. and whatever you can do to keep him around to like, um, you know, help out coach, whatever. And also the wheel trap thing also makes it pretty happy because for a while, uh, uh, Dotson was kind of filling in every now and then. And everyone's right. like, Oh, he's can be Ozzy Alonzo's, yeah. you know, um, right. air or whatever. It's like, no, he loves going forward. Like he's an, he's an eight. He's not a six. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. Will trap was brought in. So now they can focus on Dotson being playing in his natural position, which mm-hmm. is another kind of bonus of that as well. Right. And you spoke to Will Trap. Do you know much about him? And as far as like how much he will play, I mean, what kind of role does he have in that midfield area? Yeah, he'll. I mean, he, his style of play is definitely different. He's not a bruiser like Ozzy yeah, is. Like he right. doesn't just come and yeah. just like right. knock you over and through. just yeah. take you off the ball. But um, one thing that's really nice about his game is that um, he has a re- his um, long ball is really really good. Like he is very good at breaking pressure by clearing it off a long ball and mm-hmm. hitting people on the break, which uh, Minnesota's counter is kind of what we did. And like when we right. kind of got into had issues last year is when we started to bunker a bit too much and we got too compact uh, in our defensive third mm-hmm. and having someone with that ability to relieve that pressure, I think will be really good for us going forward. Right. Especially as you know, we have like, you know, I mean, Ethan Finley on the sideline on the right, or mm-hmm. I mean, we have plenty of speed. Uh, we have Molino, like we have plenty of speed, and ideally we'll continue to have that. And uh, I think having that as a way, you know, forward as just another kind of like opportunity will kind of, I think, going forward make us stronger. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I like the signing, and um, they they mentioned also that the the kid they drafted. Um, could play Kevin Gucci, Kevin Gucci, um, 
could play if he needed to soak up into that, you know, defensive role um, in the midfield. So that, that was something that caught my eye when they were talking about when Heath was talking about possible, because it is, it's like everywhere I go and have read, they're like, who's the next Ozzy? And I'm like, I'm not sure there is the next Ozzy. No. I mean, this guy's legendary. So it's like saying who's the next Chara. If there <laughs> right. ever going to be another Chara, there won't be. Like no right. one's going to be able to amass that many yellow cards like Chara did. Right. So, I mean, there's exactly. never going to be another Chara. Um, moving on to uh, the defense, uh, Ike Para missed all but two games in 2020. Uh, he was the 2019 Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, do we know his status going into this season, if he's supposed to be back? Um, and uh, does he step right back in? I, I Well, obviously, I think he does. <laughs> yeah, I think he does. And uh, we'll see. I mean, as far as reports have gone, uh, Adrian Heath, I believe, said something like he's uh, – confident that Ike will be back. Um, we still don't know what he was out with. Um, I, we, I mean, he has a history of concussion issues, but also um, right before the end of the year uh, announced that his wife was actually ha- going through some pretty serious health issues that required some uh, surgery and everything. Um, and this happened uh, early in the spring last year, which, I mean, I don't want to speak too much, but I mean, if you you know have some serious health issues and then also you're the caretaker and it's covid and everything like who knows maybe he took family leave we don't know um and don't really need to know either like going into it but um yeah i mean i I think he comes back the nice thing about this about ike is that um michael boxel and uh, baki debasi did really really well last year as the center back pair um and if you bring in, if Ike comes back and you suddenly have Michael Boxel and, uh, you know, Debassi battling for starting positions, it's only going to make our defense that much stronger. And so I think it's, like I said, it's, I think if, if he comes back, it's just all gravy. It'll be great. And if he doesn't, I still think we're in a pretty good spot just because, um, I mean, even without him, we still have, we re-signed Brent, Brent Coleman, which I mean, off the field stuff. A lot of fans aren't fans of Brent Coleman, but yeah. on the field, he's a solid um, defender who can come in and play well when need be and doesn't, and he's on a very reasonable um, salary. And then we also just uh, signed uh, Callum Montgomery from FC Dallas over the winter to kind of bring some more reinforcements. And then we also, as you mentioned, uh, one of our super draft picks can also play center back if, you know, ideally he'd be out on loan with the USL team, but um, if need be, we have that. So, I mean, I, as far as our center back depth goes, we're looking pretty good. So I'm, that's one area I'm not overly concerned about. Like basically our goalkeeping and our defense are looking solid as going forward. It's just the um, attacking side of the ball where we're having some questions still. I was going to say, cause Metnair, he, he, he tends to, and I know that there had been pieces that were written that he played a little bit more forward when um, Opara was around. Um, but again, I think he's important to the attack, right? I mean, he's solid going forward uh, and, and reading everything about the defense and, and going through some of the highlights and stuff and looking back, I, like you said, they're solid. Yeah, and, and we've had, and the one place that we had issues last year in our defense um, was our fullback depth. Just if, you know, Metnair would be injured or called up and then uh, we had Chase Gasper on the left. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, I mean, last year, our only um, depth and fullback was we had Noah Billingsley, who was like 22 at the time and a super draft pick who I think last year he played a total of six minutes uh, for Minnesota. He's out on loan for most of it. 
And other than that, we had a uh, Baki Debasi who came in kind of halfway through the season. And so um, we didn't really have that depth. And so far we've signed um, Yuka, I forget, is it Retala? I don't know how to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, I think there's the, yeah. <laughs> Yuka Retala. I got the, at least I got the Yuka part right. Yeah, that's I good. Think, yeah, that was good. Uh, he's, um, you know, a veteran coming out of Montreal. I think he was their captain last year. Um, so bring some veteran leadership, but also can push Chase on the left to be better. And then we also just signed um, DJ Taylor um, from North Carolina FC, who was their um, 2019 defensive player of the year. And like just an all around one of the best fullbacks in um, the USL championship the last couple of years. So, and young, I think he's like in his early twenties. So um, that's looking really solid as well. Cause now we finally have some depth where we won't, if Metnair goes down or is out on international duty, we're not gonna have to bring in dots in to play right. Right. Now. So we actually have, fullback depth and someone that can play it and again allowing Dotson to focus on where he plays best which is in you know as the number eight uh so last question about the goalkeepers and we have like a general question here uh you mentioned the goalkeepers and how you thought they were uh that you're set up pretty well there but uh, we had a question from uh somebody on twitter called blue green loon asking oh, about the goalkeeper he's from Duluth, minnesota he's a good guy nice. and whenever i'm up whenever i'm up north in duluth and i have to watch a loons game i always hit him up and i'd be like hey uh where do i go to watch this and it's great <laughs> that's awesome yeah he wanted to know about the goalkeeper situation and asked about tyler miller's role and we all you know you, they also have uh saint Clair, but um which one do you think is the starting uh, goalkeeper for this season, or is it going to be a battle for them throughout the season here? I think it's for based on how well Dane Sinclair did um, once he came in. Cause I mean, so basically, I mean, Tyler Miller was our starter came in uh, played from pretty much through the MLS's back tournament. And then after he left there, they um, uh, kind of released the information that he was suffering from a hip injury and had to have surgery on both hips and was out for the rest of the season. And after he went out, um, our, we had, Dane was down in, I think San Antonio, no, San Antonio, uh, um, playing on loan. And so they had to call him back with COVID protocol, you know, all of that. Um, we had, uh, Greg Ranjit Singh play for us starting goalkeeper and had three straight losses. Um, I think he gave up like nine goals. It was it was not pretty. <laughs> yeah, and then Dan St. Clair came in and just went on a tear. And like, if he had that season spread across the entire uh, year, like he'd be in talking for uh, MLS Keeper of the Year just because like his shot stopping ability. I mean, he, there's some he's young, and there's definitely some uh, spots where he needs some improvement. Like sometimes when he when he chooses to come out and whatnot. But as far as pure shot blocking. Uh, he's fantastic. So I think, I don't, I think he's pretty much just locked in and it's his spot to lose, which is a great position to be in where you have, and we have Tyler Miller. I believe he still has like two or three years left on his contract with Minnesota. So we can definitely get a solid trade for him. And Dan Clair is still on his like um, rookie contract with us. So yeah, he could go back to LAFC cause they have Vermeer and they, <laughs> yeah, they could use Tyler Miller. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And then, and then, and then um, as far as the back, we like, you know, we have some other backups. We have Fred Emmons, who is our 17-year-old, our first ever homegrown player. So nice. Um, nice. maybe he'll get some. He's a St. Paul native, so maybe he'll get some minutes. Doubtfully, it'd be great to get him on loan. Is, but um, got on loan. But yeah, I think that's where we're actually sitting the best. It's like, like I said, we're sitting the best at goalkeeper. And then as you work further and further up the field is where it gets shakier and shakier. <laughs> <laughs> so the last question we usually ask our guests is, 
what is a successful season for Minnesota United? Uh, so in this sense, you know, like uh, we've asked this to so many people, is it just making the playoffs? Is it making a run? Like you mentioned, you were, you know, Minnesota made it deep in MLS's back. They made it very deep in uh, MLS cup playoffs. Uh, what would be constituted as a, as a successful season um, overall for the club? Yeah. I mean, I, going back like 20, when we opened all Field field in 20, is that night 2019? Uh, the goal was to make the playoffs, and we did. And then we, you know, were out in the first round. But we also made the, you know, US Open Cup finals that year, and we finished fourth in Western Conference last year. You know, like I said, we were uh, MLS is back semifinals. Uh, also finished fourth again in Western Conference, and then we were, you know, ten minutes away from an MLS Cup appearance. So I think the if you're gonna be on that trajectory and you want to keep competing and improving the goal needs to be some sort of hardware, whether that's us open cup, you know, you can count a Western conference title as hardware Supporter shield. Yeah. Supporter shield, you know, league cup, whatever that is, if that's back, whatever, <laughs> um, just something, I think just cause you need to show that you're continuing to progress. And I think they've done a good job of that. Like they, um, roster wise, they've been improving at almost every position so far with striker and left wing as kind of incompletes right now. Uh, so, so long as they can hit on those marks, I think some sort of hardware is not out of the question. It should kind of be the goal. So uh, thank you, Mark, for coming on. Did you want to plug your stuff one more time here at all? Um, yeah. I mean, check you? us out. We're a uh, 55 one podcast. Uh, we are during the season, we're weekly. Um, during the off season, we're kind of every other if there's actually something to talk about. Um, and then, yeah, if you want, I'm on Twitter. It's uh, MR Fangmeyer. And um, yeah, thanks so much, Logan and Jordan. It's great to be on this. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, yep, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Well, we hope to speak to you sometime later on in the season. Sounds great. And that was Mark Fangmeyer uh, from the uh 55 one podcast that covers minnesota united uh that was that was a great interview logan what do you think was the what did you take away most from this oh actually can i go first yeah you go go nuts i'm gonna go first here this is the first time we had a guest that completely convinced me that this team like that convinced me to change my perception on the team really yes how so Uh, I bought it. I, I'm all in. I don't think they're going to regress as much as I thought they were. Nice. nice. <laughs> you know, him pointing out, you know, I kept thinking they don't have a striker. Kai Kamara left. Kai Kamara didn't really score that much for them, right? Um, like he said, they only combined, all their strikers combined for four goals. Yes, <laughs> Kevin Molino left, right? But if you have uh, Agadello who can be serviceable, you're going to have a full season of Reynoso. Uh, you have players uh if shakan uh gets uh, a chance right or they still have a month and a half to make some signings before the season starts uh he's pointed out that they're really good at bringing in these players and they haven't really missed on a lot of them so i'm gonna go ahead and say that i i i originally were gonna say that they had a chance of really big regression but he convinced me that their defense is solid the goalkeepers are solid they don't really use their strikers anyway. Uh, so Agadello can play on the wing if need be, or he can play up top. And you have a full season of Reynoso. I'm buying. I think this team could finish fourth or fifth in the West and, and make a run. 
I, I think it's a fair assessment. Like I, I like yesterday I was texting you too, and, and you and I were both saying the same thing that regression seems to be the case. But when you really look at the team, you're right. I think I think to be honest, I actually think Reynoso has a chance to be, I mean, not as good as Carlos Vela was, but I think that he's in that same guilt as some of those big time players. Um, and I do like I, I'm so excited to see what Reynoso can produce when you give him a year, I, I am concerned. I don't think they make a jump up. I think they stay pretty uh, on par for this team. I think maybe a little bit of improvement. I, I'm not going to completely buy like a, they're going to make a run to like the second spot or first spot in the, in the West. Cause I no, just think, it's so I, I think they could finish fourth or fifth I think and so then too. make a run in the cup. You know, yeah. that's because you then know, you can win anybody's can, game. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's anybody's game. Right. And, and of course, I, I think that there's two teams in Will West that are just gaps above other people. But I, you know, I think honestly, when you look at it, I think a, a fourth or third spot, maybe even um, that would be on the radar. I think that he made a really good point. You know, they haven't had really a bad transfer window and it does seem like they're kind of sneakily coming along now and they're trying to figure out what fits in their system. And I think that they could end up getting one of these top DP, you know, signings that really just tear it up in the, in the league. And if, if they add somebody really good, this team goes from a very good team to, I think they could challenge for some of those spots, but it just depends on what they add. I think at this point. You hear that Adrian and Harrison Heath. <laughs> yeah. We're we buying it. Don't come at it? us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Adrian, um, oh, Orlando city fan here. Um, we, we loved you here in Orlando, so <laughs> I guess we can love you there in Minnesota, but yeah, no, Jordan, I think you're, I think you made it. I, I do love their defense. That's one thing when I was yeah. going back through, even without like, like you yes. said, I mean, box so and, and yeah, uh, Debasi yeah, and playing so good. Yeah. And Matt is really good. I, uh, he, he advances the ball forward like a back uh, should in, in this day and age in this modern era of football when he pushes forward and he's, he creates chances. That's something that we didn't really get into, but when I was looking, he creates a lot of chances for a fullback. So that's definitely something that, that'll improve that team. But again, there, and I do think that St. Clair is like, uh, I think he's a beast in the, in between the posts. And I'm a huge Agadello fan. So I'm going right. to be rooting for him to do well there. I think this team might fit him more than, Miami did. Miami was a lot of yeah. Uh, Miami was just bad. Right? We'll get to them when we get to the East, but they were just bad. Um, so uh, yeah. So I guess that's really it for Minnesota. So we do have some quick things to cover as well because of Logan being off for a week. Uh, <laughs> hey man, easy. <laughs> uh, we haven't been able to record for like a week, so. Um, a lot happened during that time. We had the She Believes Cup wrapped up, right? The U.S. women beat uh, Argentina like 6-0. Uh, and it wasn't even really close. Uh, no. So they are She Believes Cup winners. It uh, doesn't really mean much overall. <clears throat> like we mentioned before, you know, it was a lot of trying to see what's going on uh, for the Olympics squad. So, but it's good to win it. You know, it's always good to win a cup. Uh so I don't think there's too much to say with that. We kind of covered their first two matches, which were a lot closer games. This one, not really much to talk about. Uh, Argentina, just not really up to that level uh, of the U.S. women's team. Now, it, it, it's it, you can tell in you can tell like when teams that are dominant, like the United States, uh, when they get out there and play, 
with that talent level that they have, the, the gaps get even bigger in these games. Excuse me, I was yawning. Uh, <laughs> I was going to cut that. <laughs> I'm not that boring, am I? <laughs> uh, maybe. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and we have Terry Henry, uh, who was linked to the Bournemouth job, uh, then left for family reasons after not getting the Bournemouth job. Do we buy that? Do we buy the family thing? It sounds like he obviously didn't want to move and like leave his family behind. I can understand that during this. And I also understand that, you know, Montreal would probably have to be playing in uh, the USA, which means if his family's in Canada or England and such like that, he's probably not traveling back and forth as much with COVID and, you know, having living out of the country that you're actually coaching for and it puts a strain on the players, puts a strain on the coaching staff, I'm sure. But uh, I feel like he would have already known that way before the season, unless he was thinking maybe the vaccine would help. Um, but at this rate, I think he was looking for a way out. This, uh, you know, extra time, you know, the MLS podcast really made me think that as well with him. Um, just them bringing up just exactly how this squad is nothing, right? This Mon- when we get to Montreal, they don't have no a lot direction. of talent. Uh, they're probably in a worse spot than they were at last season. They lost a whole season of development due to COVID and, um, uh, you know, and such like that. So for me, I, I think it might be, have been a way for him to get out of it. I don't want to speculate too much on it just because it could be personal family matters, but uh, just, it seems weird that he was linked to a job and then he just walks away from this one when he didn't get the job. But And I think it was his agent that accidentally linked it. Uh, I, you know, I, and yeah, it, it does. sounds it's... like Bournemouth wasn't actually interested. It yeah, sounds like it... the agent was trying to create interest. Right. And, and uh, you know, kudos to him for taking that time. If it's family issues, I mean, I, I totally get that. And being displaced, Montreal was just going to, I feel really bad for those teams because, I mean, development, of young players in a city they're not going to normally train in and an academy they're not going to train in and, you know, in these buildings that they're not used to, it's, it's a mess. And the three candidate teams are going to really suffer. And I know, I think they're still mostly trying to figure out where they're going to play. I don't think any of them are officially announcing where they're playing yet. Cause I know, I think some of them, there were rumors that Toronto might be playing down here in Florida somewhere. So, you know, I, it, it definitely, if it was family matters, uh, kudos to him. Uh, again, it is kind of weird that it was, I mean, it was a day, I think, after all those Bournemouth, uh, or day or two after those Bournemouth rumors that this happened. So it, it was kind of strange. Yeah, so, I mean, what, the thing is, this will give us something to talk about for Montreal when we get there. I don't want to go too much into depth with what this means for the club because we can save that for our preview and when we have our guest and be able to ask that. So I think we're going to probably leave that for the Montreal recap. Uh, Logan, who do we have uh, on the next episode? Yeah, so we're going to be previewing Sporting Kansas City. And on the pod, we are actually going to have the guys from No Other Pod who cover uh, Sporting Kansas City. Jimmy Mack and Dan Kuzer uh, are coming on. to, And this will be our first uh, double guest. So that'll be exciting to see how we can manage and juggle those questions. Maybe they'll alternate like we do. But again, I think it 
it's going to be fun because, you know, Sporting Kansas City had a good year last year, finished top of the West Conference, uh, really looked like a strong team. But once they got to the playoffs, it didn't pan out so well. Um, you know, they haven't just, you know, kind of a sneak peek into what I want to ask and, and talk about. I think that it, it's always weird because like you and I have always mentioned, it's success in those cups that really determine the success of the team at times. I know Supporter mm-hmm. Shield is pretty important. Uh, but again, it, when they don't get any of them, I, I think it's it's tough. I, I think as a fan, it's tough to look at a season when you don't bring home hardware, just like what um, what Mark was talking about. I, I think it it's tough to look at a season and go, that was successful when you don't have something to show for it. Um, so again, that's something that I'll be asking the, the guys from Supporting Kansas City. But yeah, that's who's going to be on Wednesday. And then Friday we are going to be doing the Portland Timbers, um, which is one that I've been trying to track down for quite a bit of time. And uh, I believe it's uh, we're going to be doing an uh, interview with Sam Solar, who is, I think, the Stumpy Town is what it's called, or Stumpy Town, the SB Nations for Portland Timbers is going to be on on Friday. And then I think we're still trying to line up our guest for the LA Galaxy. So those will be coming fast and quick before we head into the last two teams of Dallas, and who I miss Seattle. So those are yes. the, the last two before we head off on to the Eastern Conference. Which I'm looking forward to. We only have, uh, you know, like six weeks to get this done. So we gotta get this done. Yeah. And it, well, I mean, this will help this week. <laughs> I yeah, think yeah. This week, this week, this this week and next majorly. week will help a lot. And I know that we've been talking with somebody from DC United that I think might be interested in launching our YouTube channel with us. So that'll be fun. Oh yeah. Do you want to plug that? Uh, sure. For people that missed it. Yeah. Uh, so we're the stateside soccer show over on YouTube. So if you just put that into the search bar, you can find us, subscribe to us, like us. We just put up our first video. It's the intro to what's going to be. Uh, we're going to hopefully do these kind of like uh, some of the guys that, you know, the, the, the cooligans, sorry about calling them the hooligans, uh, the cooligans and extra time. We're going to be recording the podcast and putting them up on YouTube and we'll have guests uh, throughout the season. So that way we can talk some local teams and maybe get some players and some coaches and other personnel on the podcast, but that's something to be looking forward to over on our YouTube channel. And we'll be creating some content there. So pretty excited about this. Yeah. And if you want to follow us on all those, uh, Twitter at Stateside show, Instagram at Stateside show, facebook.com slash Stateside show, or email us Stateside show at gmail.com. We also have a link tree that's in the, uh, it's usually like our link on the Twitter. It's our link in the show notes. We're going to add the YouTube link to there as well, where all you have to do is then click the link tree, uh, which is link tr.ee slash stateside show. And then you can click all of those, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, YouTube, whatever. You're able to click all that and, and get taken to our pages on there uh i think we're also gonna if we do any live streams it'd probably be on youtube and twitch we're able to pull that off where we can do both at the same time so if we ever do like a live show after a game or something uh it'd probably be on both of those as well um other than that we'll catch you all next time for our recap uh, not a recap. Uh, sorry, I, I do have too many podcasts for a <laughs> preview. <laughs> for a preview of the, I just lost them. SKC, yes, Sporting Kansas City.
Lamar throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. men's national team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.